Hello and welcome to another episode of Found City Sports Media, a program made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name is Hot Take Mondo, and today I am joined by my friend Refer Reese. And boy, you are not going to forget that name today. As you can tell, I am a little bit more um, somber, uh, and 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 rightly so. I mean, this is this is a tough day for all of us. And if if you're listening to this podcast. I'm assuming you're a Chiefs fan, or at least you follow Kansas City Sports. So today, we're going to be crying, collectively crying, and mourn the loss of our 2020-2021 season with the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh boy, it, it was a very, very tough loss. Probably the most shocking game in recent Kansas City Sports history. Reese, do you, do you agree on that assessment? Was that one of the most shocking games you've seen recently from Kansas City Sports? Any sport? I mean, I mean, yes, just because the entire Patrick Mahomes tenure, he hasn't been blown out. He's never been blown out. Even that Raiders game earlier on in the year that felt like it was kind of getting out of control was never out of control. It was an eight-point game. Yeah. Uh, it was shocking for a multitude of reasons, each one of which we'll touch down as we go through the episode. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think of a more, a more shocking <laughs> Kansas City sporting event probably in the last decade. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I honestly can't think of anything even prior to a decade or anything that has shocked me at all in Kansas City sports. Like like even us losing the, uh, uh, the uh, World Series... I wasn't shocked like it was such a great game and of course of course we were sad but but we also knew we were young you know we we hadn't been to a world series in since 85 so that was kind of fresh this was kind of the the like opposite of the royals where we had won the super bowl and we were expecting to win again and it it, it kind of like flipped on us and the, and not only that but the way that we lost 31 to nine just uh my goodness it 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 was not fun ladies and gentlemen so today we are going to break it down and we're going to cathartically talk about this because even though i'm sad of course i'm still hopeful look look everyone we still have patrick mahomes he is the most talented quarterback in the nfl and maybe he is currently not the goat currently he might not be the goat but he is definitely the most talented football quarterback we have ever seen in NFL history and he is still your quarterback and his 10-year extension hasn't even happened yet right like like that hasn't even tapped in yet so so I am still grateful to be a Chiefs fan and we're going to break down this game as to what happened because a lot a lot happened in this game a ton of stuff happened but before we do that yeah let's just let's, let's just shoot the grease well, uh, just so you don't think that we're going to be nothing but like a bunch of sad sacks for this episode, uh, we do have some good news. We, we got some stuff we want to share with you. First of all, we want to say thank you for uh, sitting through with the growing pains of us doing our first live streams, both the, uh, the Buffalo Bills AFC title game recap and the Super Bowl Supercast, along with Stone Cold Chief Austin and the KC Kid, Noah Metzger. It's been a fun time doing those streams. We've had... I mean, far better than projected turnout for those. So thank you so much for listening yeah, in on those. Thank you. Uh, we're going to be doing more of those in the future. Uh, we're, we're talking about it. We're not exactly sure specifics just yet, schedule-wise, because it's kind of like that Plankton meme where it's like, I don't know. I didn't think we would get this far. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you agree? It's It's been great turnout. Oh, We've yeah. had a lot of fun doing it. I mean, it. we... Um, we 
I don't know if we have the either the official numbers, but we have surpassed a thousand views online, and we've also sur- surpassed a thousand downloads on this podcast. So for those of you listening, thank you. A thousand's a big deal, guys. We're over a thousand downloads. That's I mean, like we're not talking views. We've obviously had more views than a thousand. We had a thousand downloads. Yeah. So that so pat on the back to all of our viewers. Pat on the back to all of our Patreon fans, uh, family and friends. I think we've definitely passed this first hump of like podcast purgatory. Uh, and it's actually kind of exciting. So thank you for being a- along the way with us. And part of me wants to like, I don't know, cap off the Chiefs season and call that season one, you know, because it's like technically it's kind of half the year, but we're not going to call We're not yeah, going to call we, that season oh, one. <laughs> this, this is like the mid-season break. All right. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> So more exciting things going forward. We're going to keep doing some of these uh, live streams and special events. We'll let you know way ahead of time. Production value is going to be through the roof. It's going to be the best stream you've ever seen. Uh, speaking of things that going forward, uh, I'm happy to announce the Fountain City Sports Media is now officially on Untapped as Fountain City SM. No way! Yes. And uh, and for our viewers, I did not know this. Uh, Reese was keeping this as a surprise i'm gonna look that up that's awesome so all the beers we've reviewed so far are technically back on the table for fair game if we want to re-review them uh not saying we're gonna be like welching on ratings and be like well you gave it a nine two overall last time and now it's an 8.6 like shut up nerd no it's back on the table so we can give you more thorough investigation on this stuff okay I had uh, COVID, so my taste buds have changed. So now this now this beer tastes wonderful. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Who knew this Imperial Stout was not meant to taste like hickory? This is incredible. So uh, check hey, us what's, out. What's our, what's our name on there? Fountain City SM. The same as our Instagram handle and the same as our Twitter handle. So you can find us on all three of those platforms, untapped Instagram and Twitter at Fountain City SM. That's awesome, but I, I can't find it. What? What do you mean you can't find? Hold on. Cut this <laughs> is it on venue? Bre- I know. Is it on venue, brewery, or beer? No, no, no. Are you, don't, don't look up that search bar. There's supposed to be like a friends oh, search bar. Okay. You go to add yeah, friends. Yeah, okay. You click the add friends button, and in that search bar, you type in Fountain City SM, and you're going to see Armando, Reese, Kyle, oh, wait, and no, guests. I, I did it wrong. I'm going to say- I, I put- Fountain SM. Of course you did something different there. I typed in Fountain City Space. I said, I'm like, yo, Armando, throw away your phone and call a priest because I am not getting that in my search results. <laughs> All right. I just, I just requested me. Or you, oh. IRS. Jeepers. Oh, that was funny. I have to, sh- yeah, no, type in, type in Fountain. This is creepy, dude. I'm kind of afraid to right now. Okay. So Fountain. Oh, wait, no, I. I already found mine, but but just type in fountain and you'll find this guy. Dude, I am still not getting it. Wait, hold on, there uh, he is. Oh, jeepers. <laughs> well, that that's awesome. Yeah, I hope you guys follow that because we, we've done probably close to 40 episodes, if not 40 episodes now. Um, so we have about 40 beers that we've reviewed. And for those of you that like craft beer, I mean, I think we've talked pretty well about a lot of different craft beers from all 
from all over, from all over the United States. Even Kyle's, you know, reviewing a, a Lone Ranger or whatever he reviewed in Texas is, is a very good review as well. So everybody check those out. I mean, even if you don't like sports, you can skip to the middle of it. I mean, they're just a lot of fun. And honestly, going back to what this podcast is, like this podcast is a podcast of friends hanging out, talking together. And, you know, like the, I, I would not want to talk with anybody else except for my friends about all these things, you know. Chiefs losing the Super Bowl. This is where I want to talk about it. This is where I want to unload. This is where I just want to chat with my friends because it'll make me feel better. After this podcast, I'm sure I'm going to feel much better because I'm talking with my friends and you guys are my friends as well. Well, I guess we have to get into it, Reese. So there are a lot of things that happen in this game and there are very few things in our opinion that were reasons why we lost. There are maybe maybe three things, if not two big things, as to why we lost that game. And let's just let, let's just get it out of the way. Let's get it out of the way. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, you won the Super Bowl. We are not going to be sore losers. Todd Bowles coached a great game. Bruce Arians coached a great game. And they're, you know, Tom won his seventh. Okay. All right. Good good job, Tom. Good job. Cool story, bro. <laughs> I mean, we just we just had to say it so you know people go, oh, you guys are sore losers. Like, no, we're not sore losers. We're gonna tell you exactly why we lost, and there are a lot of reasons. And the first reason why we lost for anybody that watched that game was the referees. That first half and that second half. Even if you're not a Chiefs fan, okay. Even if you are a Buccaneers fan, you cannot tell us that the calls made in that first half were exactly the same calls that were made in the second half. If you were watching that game, you saw a big difference. So I have my friend here, Reese, a.k.a. Referees, and his name is Referees for a reason because he sees these things when they happen and he has a lot to tell you. Referees, the floor is yours. I feel like a father right now, mainly in the sense that I'm masking my anger by saying I'm just disappointed. I'm disappointed that this was allegedly the best officiating crew that the NFL could come up with for Super Bowl. Because I say this not as a hyperbole, but as in all seriousness, I cannot think of a sporting event at that level that has been that poorly officiated to the level of it's either incompetency or it's bias, neither one you want, I can't think of another sporting event at that level that had that level of officiating. The only thing that even comes to mind is the infamous LA Lakers-Sacramento Kings series from back in 2001. How dare you? How dare you, Reese, bring up my Lakers and Donahue? I loved the 2001 Lakers, dude. I was a huge Shaquille O'Neal stand back then. But like... I mean, even even Donna, he said himself, he was like, oh, yeah, sorry, I rigged the game. Like, it, it was the officiating in the Super Bowl was to the level of the Donahue series. Referees is now named Hot Take Reese slash referees. That, I mean, you, okay. You, <laughs> Hot you Take just Achievement went Unlocked. There. For, for, for those that didn't listen to that, Reese just said, if this game was not rigged, it sure looked rigged. Well, so what I'm, get, what I'm getting at here, the officiating was not consistent in the first half. Uh, I'm just going to pull some stats for you really quick. Uh, This one, Chiefs, eight penalties for 95 yards in the first half. First quarter, yep. Of a Super Bowl. Still awful. The Bucks, 
one penalty for five yards. Now, just to just to give you some reference on these, the eight penalties for 95 yards are the most penalties in a first half in Super Bowl history. There was a record six total first downs via penalty in the first half. And there were five defensive holding and pass interference calls in the first half. Now, the Chiefs play a physical secondary particularly. we got some guys that can occasionally be grabby. But to give you, just for comparison here, five defensive holding and PI calls in the first half. Armando, can you guess the most the Chiefs had in a full game this season? I was I was just about to compare us from the regular season, but I'm going to say, okay, wait, can you say the numbers again? Sorry. Five defensive holding and pass interference calls in the first half okay. of, the, of the Super Bowl. Uh, total, what was, okay, total in the season, I, I, I really don't remember. I mean, maybe, maybe two, maybe two. Three. The most Ooh. pass interference holding calls we've had against us in a game is a cumulative three. We had Entire five game. in the first half. Against the Buccaneers. And, and Reese, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you keep going, but also to our viewers, you've listened to us every week, right? For those of you that have been listening, you guys know how the Kansas City Chiefs play. This year they were incredibly disciplined. They are a very disciplined team, and rarely, rarely, if any, did we talk about the the Kansas City Chiefs being sloppy. Yes, there were some plays throughout the year where referees had the pulpit and was talking, but it was extremely rare. And you tell me when you watch this game, did they look sloppy? Did it look so different from the regular season? The answer is clearly no. They were prepared for this game. They were disciplined for this game. This wasn't like the D Ford, you know, going across the line in fraction. It, it wasn't even like that. Although the repercussions of what happened were far far worse. Go ahead, Reese. Well, I'm glad you're into repercussions, too, because what I'm getting on here is I'm not just being like a salty crybaby being like, oh, the refs were mean to us. No. This is why it's so, officiating is so important and consistency in officiating is so important. I'm going to bring back my roots again back when I was uh, an official going back to those academy meetings back when I was in high school, and one of the big things that the FIFA official would stress to us every year, he said, don't let people talk about your officiating at the end of the game. He said there should never be a reason why people are talking about officiating at the end of the game, which absolutely was not the case this time around. And I'm saying is the officials had a huge influence on the direction and outcome of this game. And Reese, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Is there anything where, where they can go back to review? And the reason why I ask is it just seemed like they were trying to jump the gun so they didn't have to go to something that was reviewable. And it just seemed like, oh, well, that that kind of looked like it. Here we go. Oh, that kind of looked like holding, even though that play, even though that ball was not catchable. Whatever. Here we go. No, unfortunately not. The refs can get together when a flag is thrown and be like, hey, what did you see? And someone can be like, hey, I have a better angle and or like I'm a higher official in the crew. You know, I'm, not, I'm like the head umpire. Like I can I can overrule you on this one. But unfortunately, there's nothing that can be reviewed anymore. That uh, pass interference rule was just a one time thing, which they eventually got rid of because the referees were legitimately so proud. They could not admit when they were wrong. And uh, well, and and they also have someone in in the uh in the booth now, right? Don't don't they have a referee in the booth or that's also gone? That was the XFL. Uh, the XFL had an eye in the sky official, which I think is huge oh, and should they, be a part of officiating, but that, that, that's an entirely different story on NFL officials. 
Uh, I, I'm going to talk about the crew we did have and what was going on in the game. So what I'm what I'm getting at here when I'm complaining about them influencing the game, I'm not going to say that Tampa Bay didn't play a better game last night. And Tampa Bay came out hotter. They came out quicker. They came out a little bit sharper than we did. When it's all said and done, is there a good chance we lose that game? You know what? I think it's a fair chance that on an even playing field, Tampa Bay can squeak out that win. But the fact is, the referees kept our defense on lock to the degree that they weren't giving us a chance to even come back into that game. I've been saying it's been a two-pronged approach. The first one being the officials broke the game in the first half. I mean, they really did, and it was really obvious on that last drive to close out the half. In the second half, and we'll get to this later, our offensive line kept us from getting back into that game as well because they were atrocious, atrocious. But sticking to officiating, Armando, were there any calls in the first half that really stuck out to you? Well, two, I mean, two of them, and, and they're very similar plays. One was one was Honey Badger, who had tripped and then subsequently tripped Mike Evans on an uncatchable play, which then set them up at, I think, the like 20 yard line, maybe the 23 yard line, and then resulted in a touchdown after that. And it was clear that there was no harm that was done by Honey Badger, right? He didn't push him. He had tripped himself, and then Mike Evans had tripped. Do you know? Well, actually, this is a rhetorical question. Name the the number one team in the NFL that had the most holding or pass interference called in their favor this year i mean i would guess it was the team with tom brady (laughs) exactly it was the tampa bay buccaneers this is something that they practice okay hot take mondo this is something that tom brady practices with mike evans mike evans is a very large man (laughs) that is a big dude so what do you have to do to a big guy you have to push him around a little bit, just a little bit, just to kind of get some size. And what can he do when that happens? He can flop. What did it look like on that play in the first half? It looked like he flopped. Tom Brady got 30 yards out of that. Tom Brady is a master at stuff like this. You're telling me Tom Brady didn't talk to Antonio Brown, to Mike Evans, to Chris Godwin and says, hey, these guys are a lot smaller than Chris and Mike. If they touch you, if anything happens, flop a little bit. If he trips before you, trip with him. Go back to the video. Anybody listen to this, go back to the video of where Mike Evans falls, okay? Like, he he, he did not get tripped up. It's something that, I, I'm sorry, Hot Tech Mono, this is something they practiced. This is something they talked about before the game. Well, I mean, it absolutely is, and I think we alluded to it last time in the Supercast as well, saying that, you know, over-under that, you know, Traverius Ward gets a, you know, lame duck thrown his way and he gets drawn for a penalty. I mean, that happened throughout the game, but it's the fact that they did it back-to-back, too. This first one with Mike Evans, you know, it was a good five yards past where, and he was going full head of steam, five yards past him, and and Tony Romo tried to cover it up and be like, well, I mean, I guess if he he maybe jumped and laid out, he'd have a chance at it, and that's what they're seeing. It's like, no, dude. I'm like, he's not going to jump and lay out five yards and bring that thing in. And then on the very next play, they have that play in the end zone where he runs out, and it's supposed to cut (sighs) back in. Honey Badger was literally just running backwards and Evans bumps into him trying to do his route and they call pass interference on a ball that hit the back wall of the end zone. 
So, I mean, it, it was at that point when they called those back-to-back, I'm like, hey, I'm like, the, the fix is in on the officiating here. I'm like, Pat's going to have to come out and do something incredible in the second half. But even at that point, I kind of expected him to start taking touchdowns away from us if we put him on the board. Like, the, the fix just felt that thick. Oh, totally. I mean, I'm, I would not be surprised when when Pat was on the floor doing those crazy things, the refs were getting ready to throw something out because Pat tripped and accidentally hit Shaquille Barrett in the face or something while he was falling. I mean, it was, it was, it was very sad. It was really sad to see. And for those of you that know me and and in, in the text chain, I think I even talked about in the last podcast, Reese and Noah were talking about this and saying, this is something that can happen. And I, and I told both of you, no, the refs will not decide this game if we lose this game and there were a couple calls here and there. It's something that we did, Reese. Like we we are too good of a team to blame the refs for a loss. And boy, did I change my tune after that first half. I could not believe what I was watching because I thought I said, we are the Kansas City Chiefs. We are a very disciplined team. Fine. We're, we we might have a holding call here and there by the offense, offensive line is probably going to hold someone somewhere. But it was it was much worse. It's something that I could have never imagined. I could have never imagined what happened in that first half. Well, here's the thing, why you thought the way you did and you didn't see it coming and why we thought the way we did, but we still didn't see it coming, was I think uh, Noah and I were both alluding to something happening late in the game, like a crucial call that wouldn't happen otherwise if it wasn't Tom Brady. For example, the fluffing the passer penalty that extended the drive back in uh, the 2018 AFC title game. I think we expected like a seismic Brady call that could screw us over late. I don't think any of us foresaw this just ludicrous officiating that happened, particularly in the first half. Uh, they tried to call some calls in the second half to, to smooth it out a little bit. Uh, final penalties for the game. Chiefs 11 for 120 yards. Tampa Bay 4 for 39 yards. But might I, might I add, it was really 3 for 24 yards because that fourth penalty was that taunting call that even they couldn't ignore you know speaking of which right uh what was the name of that linebacker i i, I can't even remember his name because he's a nobody right oh yeah that was a a, da- a win winfield jr i forgot his first i want to say dave winfield that's a baseball I mean, big, player my, my point still stands i don't know who he is i still know who he is yeah. he's a nobody <laughs> He's a schlock. What I do know and, is, he- and and uh, I mean, there he he must have said some more things. I actually had someone text me like, "Why, why, why was that such a big deal?" And I'm like, "Well, it's a big deal because there's a lot of stuff that we probably don't hear on the field that the refs are going to hear on the field." And and I think that peace sign was just the culmination of it. And of course, that's cu- going back to the the Week Twelve game. Like, whatever. Well, we'll see. Throw the problem the problem is he's brought to light that he's the guy that Tyreek threw the peace sign up to multiple times when Tyreek burned him multiple times <laughs> yeah, in the first he's, game. He's the trash, right? the trash corner so it's like oh congratulations man you got torched and cost your team the game the first time and this time you uh kept the lead at 24 i guess good good on you bro (laughs) all i'm saying is antoine winfield better pray every day he is never gonna face tyree kill again he uh, i mean if 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 the bucks and chiefs see each other again oh boy Oh boy! Yeah. I mean, you have that in Winfield. You have uh, Honey Badger and Brady. I mean, Chris Jones and that offensive line. Like, oh my goodness! Well, what's killing me now? And this is one of the last things I'll touch down on in uh, regards to the officiating is a consistency 
and B, interpretation. And by consistency, I mean the, Andy Reid said he had they had worked with this team before earlier on. He said, I think they're going to let us play. He's like, I think, you know, they, they called our game back in week 13. We know these guys. We know, uh, let's call him Chuck. You know, we know Chuck. He's like, he'll let us play. And obviously they let the Buccaneers play because Kelsey and Tyreek and all of our guys were getting mugged the whole game, but they wouldn't let the Chiefs defense play. And that is seriously huge in what separated these two teams. Because after that goal line stand by our defense, our defense wasn't playing poorly. Our defense was keeping us in the game to the same level that the Bucks defense was keeping us in the game. But at a certain point, the referees broke our defense by just saying, hey, every time you guys make a stop, we're going to throw a flag. And, and, and to go even further, that really pisses me off as well. I was, I was listening to Bill Simmons talk to Jamal Adams uh, last week. And he was talking about why is Kelsey so great at what he does? Like, like why is Kelsey now being considered one of the greatest tight ends? And Jamal Adams goes, of course, he's he is a great player, but rules have changed where it's really hard for us to to guard tight ends. It's really hard for us to put our hands on the tight ends. He was like, things have gotten so strict that Kelsey is very good at finding ways to get open and finding ways to expose that type of defense. And Going to what you had said, the referees were calling that type of plays, calling those things on us, calling those things on us when we were against Rob Gronkowski. Gronk had two touchdowns. Are you kidding me? Gronk has two touchdowns and Kelsey doesn't get any. Like Kelsey, it's impressive that Kelsey had over 100 yards receiving with the amount of hands that he had on him the entire time. There was one play where Kelsey just had to throw his hands up. He's like, are you kidding me? Well, are you it's, kidding it's funny me? you bring up Kelsey in particular because I remember uh, late in the first half, I think it was on our second field goal drive. It was a uh, second and long. We threw a quick out route to Kelsey about three yards to the left in the flats and uh, he got mugged. I mean, again, like he got hit before the ball got there. He still made the catch for like a two-yard gain, so it was like, I think it wound up being third and six. But guess what? It was pass interference on that play regardless. You throw that flag, that's a minimum automatic first down. And, and a first and ten is absolutely different than a third and six, even if the ball is in the same position. Now, by contrast, this is where I'm going to get into what interpretation is. The Bucks lined up, kicked a long field goal by Ryan Suckup good job. I'm super mad he kicked that kick, but he nailed it. Got it. Great. A late flag comes in saying that Hamilton was offsides. And for my first thought was, I'm like, who the heck is Hamilton? <laughs> my second thought is, how can you call an offsides on a made field goal? And what I'm getting on with interpretation here, and, and uh, David Colley said the same thing. It's not up to the referees in this instance to dictate the flow of the game and be super ticky-tack letter of the law. Now, here, here's what I'm getting at. Boom. If Hamilton had jumped early, and like he obviously jumped into the neutral zone, I'd be like, you idiot, you jumped. But he didn't. If Hamilton had blocked that kick, or gotten a piece of it, or had done anything that would have caused Ryan Suckup to miss, then throw the flag. But guess what? He didn't. Then call it, yep. The play went on fine. The, the slight, I think his hand was maybe in the neutral zone is what they're trying to tell me. I didn't see it. It didn't affect the play. They got the field goal. You leave it at that. Subsequently, someone felt the need to throw a flag. The Buccaneers turned it into seven. I don't want to, you know, go on and say that these penalties were 
were the main reason why we lost. But I mean, you take that touchdown back and and the score is what? The point I'm getting at here, we've now discussed a touchdown drive at the end of the first half. That was the result of two phantom pass interference calls on uncatchable balls. And we have now dictated that there was a field goal taken, a made field goal taken off of the board that got converted into seven points subsequently. That is 14 points that shouldn't be earned. I'll give you that field goal back at halftime. It should have been 10 to 6 Tampa Bay. A completely different feel entering the second half, particularly with the Chiefs starting with the ball. It's everyone's favorite time of the podcast, and that is going to be trademarked. We're going to have that on merchandise, copyright, uh, LLC, whatever you want to call it. M- million dollars. Gonna make a million dollars off of that. It's great. Anyway. Uh, so it's the beer review segment of our podcast, and uh, well, as- and and you know, Reese, this has to be the favorite part of the podcast today because today we are cathartically going through what just happened yesterday. So of course you have to have a beer. So those of you listening, even though even though this is going to come out days later, grab grab yourself a beer because you deserve it. Grab yourself a beer, or you know what, crack crack out the the uh, the uh, whiskey. Bring out the whiskey. Bring out the bourbon. Bring out the hard stuff because, guys, this is this is going to be a long week. It's going to be a long week. It's going to be quite the long week. And, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I, I feel like there has to be a country song at this point about crying tears in your beer. Is there like tears in beers or something like that? <laughs> country road with my beer and my tears. <laughs> According to my rain meter on my patio, I got about a quarter inch of accumulation on my face. That one's also LLC copywritten and all that stuff. That's that's the new single. So who's 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 the guy that did the uh, the uh, the uh, national anthem? What was oh, it was like oh, what was his name? It was like knockoff version. No, it was like the Walmart version of the guy from the I'll Voice. Look it up. <laughs> Eric Eric Church. Watch Eric Church like Google Chiefs chiefs bucks because he's trying to see what the reaction was to the super bowl and then he stumbles upon our podcast and then stumbles upon like us singing those lyrics and then he makes a million dollars off the lyrics you just you just sang about tears accumulating on your face you know uh everybody says the simpsons predicts everything but that is actually the plot of an episode of king of the hill so (laughs) wait are you serious I'm, i'm dead serious yeah uh peggy writes a song and I can't remember how the dude steals it either, but he he steals it and like performs it at some country music festival, and like she hears him and like punches him in the face when he's like signing autographs, and is it goes downhill from there. But she winds up like accidentally sending his trailer with him in it like into a lake, and he's about oh to die. Gosh. So it's a, it's a good episode. It's a good episode. And hey, uh, Mike Hill is really great at predicting stuff in the future. The film Idiocracy, the film Office Space. That guy's ahead of his time. Wow. Well, 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 there you go. I actually never watched King of the Hill growing up. I was more of a Family Guy type of guy. It's on Hulu now. Like, it's to be honest, I liked it as a kid because it was kind of like adult cartoon funny. But like now that I'm getting older, and it's like, wow, I would like a house in a yard, and just guys just stand in an alley with. Like the show actually does age pretty well. Not gonna lie. <laughs> well, growing up in a in a Mexican household, King of the Hill was not something that <laughs> just appealed to me. But I will say, I just started watching Trailer Park Boys. Oh, yeah. That is, it's hilarious. But, like, I I can't relate to it at all. But it's just a very, very funny comedy. 
Dude, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, if you like Trailer Park Boys, have you tried Letter Kenny yet? No. Is oh, that on Netflix too? Dude, it's on Hulu. You have to watch Letter Kenny. That is like legitimately Will one of do. the top three funniest shows I've ever seen in my life. Oh. Yeah. And for our viewers out there, Reese has a very um, high standard of comedy. I, I have a... Because you you don't like The Office, right? You think The Office is dumb. I, no, I, I like The Office. I think Parks and Rec's better than The Office. I'm, I'm, I'm dragging you out there right now in front of <laughs> millions of viewers. You don't like The Office, right? Oh, you also don't like Lion King. Oh, you don't like Toy Story 2? <laughs> Yeah. Well, speaking of which, uh, isn't there a beer <laughs> review that we're supposed to be doing right now? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so so for, so so for the viewers out there, I just want to set you up with with how this beer review came about. We originally weren't going to do a beer review because it, you know beer reviews for us are are a, a nice thing. They're fun. They're you know it, it's it's a happy time. This is not a happy time for us right now. So I was like, ah, just forget it, cut it. And most of the beers that I have in my fridge right now are just like Pilsners and just beers that I'm probably not going to uh, review. But I forgot in the back of my fridge from the back of the liquor store it was still in there. Oh, no. That that dude from the back of the liquor store, he gave me two beers. I've already reviewed one and now I'm going to review the other because the title of the beer fits the title of this podcast, the title of this week for Kansas City. What is it? Ladies and gentlemen, I I can't say the actual name on the air, so I will let you imagine what it is. It is F 2020 uh that's too good but it's 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 something else but i'll let you uh figure that out boys and girls because technically 20 this was the 2020 football season that happened just now yeah 2020 football season i said you know what like it's remnants of 2020 coming at us with tom brady winning his seventh super bowl and he wasn't even the fifth best player on his team so f 2020 for lingering just like kind of crawling on the back of tom brady we 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 got you, Tom. We'll lead you to the promised land. I think the entirety of like quarter one is just like rollover from 2020 still. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, it's like it's like 2020. Well, I, never mind. I can't make this joke. Forget it. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, as is custom with this beer review, we have five different categories that we're going to be reviewing. Those will be aroma, appearance, flavor, mouthfeel, and aftertaste. And after every category, Armando is going to give us a rating on 1 to 10 as to what he thinks about that characteristic of the beer. And uh, let's just jump right into it. First things first, aroma. What is the aroma like on F2020? Well, let me uh, quickly say what the beer is. So like I said, F2020, it is from Abomination Brewing Company, another just fitting brewing company. Um, This is from North Haven, Connecticut. So shout out North Haven, Connecticut. Um, This is a double IPA and the featured hops in it are Galaxy and Citra. Not Nelson, which is one of my favorite, but Citra is a, it's probably my second favorite hop. Galaxy, Galaxy is fine. We'll, we'll explain. All right, here we go. Just cracking the can open, it's already dank. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Just like from the can, I can smell it already. Just from Galaxy and Citra, really? Yeah. Well, you know, Galaxy is is definitely a very dank hop. It, it's definitely in the like fruity flavored hops. To me, Galaxy is the most dank of them. <laughs> okay, so this this guy, like I said, definitely dank. It's almost like you cut open a grapefruit and it's just sitting on the counter. And you get that with like the dryness of of the dank smell and what else do I get? 
you know, my, my lovely citrus rind that I also like to compare with, with dank or pair. Yeah. To pair with the dank, um, smell. Yeah. That's, that's super grapefruity. That's definitely one of the most grapefruity beers I've ha- I've smelt. Um, yeah, it's cool. I like it. Give me an 8.3. That's a pretty good start. Pretty good start. All right. Next up on the list is appearance. What does that beer look like from where you're seated? Dude, look how chunky this looks. Oh, that is a thick boy. <laughs> look at that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is like the end of, of your orange juice carton where you just get all the pulp. And <laughs> it's like the very, very end. You can barely see it's it's yellow, but there's so much stuff that it's almost white. It's almost like light, light yellow. And beer wise, it's there's just so much hop in there. Like, And this, this beer has been... I don't know how long it's been sitting. I don't know how long it's, it's been a while. And, and sometimes when you let a double IPA, when you let beers that have a ton of hop in them kind of sit in the fridge, you know, for multiple months, that gives the, it's almost like the beer is, is still um, maturing. The, the beer is still fermenting, which is, it's not. It, um, I just kind of say that in the sense that those flavors are still mixing because normally breweries will kind of release their beers before them really sitting. This is, this is a very blended beer. Appearance is great. 9.3. Wow. You know, it's kind of funny because when you said what you described it as, that's kind of the indication look as to when we know it's time to change the space camper kegs in the beer hall. <laughs> <laughs> it goes from being like... Oh, it's it's totally end of the keg. No, you're, you're absolutely right because at the end of the keg, that's where all of the like sediment and everything kind of just sits. And, and not that the sediment's sitting here, but, but, but that's kind of it, right? Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like all that stuff has been meshed in there. Yeah, totally. I, I saw Space Camper at, at our grocery store. Actually. Oh, did you? Yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah, it's over on my Safeway. Coming in a galaxy near you. Well, and you know what's funny is that we 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 had the Space Camper, but we didn't have Boulevard Wheat. We didn't have Tank Seven. We didn't have literally. We just had Space Camper from Boulevard, and I was like, "This is at my like local Safeway. What the hell, <laughs> dude? You know what Coloradans <laughs> like? They like their IPAs. Just get those out there. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, Space Space Camper is definitely one of the best like di- national distro or regional distro IPAs for sure. Yep. All right. Third flavor. What is the flavor of that incredibly hazy, dank smelling IPA? Also, you should go back to your text, your your text messages with me, because the first time that that you had um, open Space Camper or you guys had tapped it, I I had texted you immediately. And I was like, Reese, this is one of the best beers I've ever tasted. This is going to be a hit. And I think you you had said at that point you're like yeah dude this this is getting a lot of buzz dude the uh the new oracle of 39th street armado Contreras, right there not that kyle's gonna listen to this but if he does (laughs) kyle i am the one i am the one that always predicts everything if you guys go back to our live episodes which we'll talk about later i asked kyle name one thing that you have predicted sports wise and he could not name one thing he is not the oracle of 39th street but he wanted to nickname whatever (laughs) so so flavor this guy um very very dank very acidic too i mean it's like oh man this is this is just this might be a little too much for me honestly this might be a little this is like this is like cutting the rind of an orange and putting it in your 
uh, blue moon and then you're done with the blue moon but then you like forget that you were done with it so then you just accidentally swallow the orange rind and that's kind of what I'm tasting right now this is this is a lot oh man that is <laughs> choking on a grapefruit rind and okay so like it's still a little bit smooth but if I had to do like a smooth to dank factor I mean it has to be 90 10 which is <laughs> I mean this is this is pretty intense. It's also 9.1%, so maybe Oof. the amount of alcohol is also going to bring up the dank. I really don't. I just kind of made that up. Uh, so, yeah, that that's super dank, which uh, I don't know if I like that. Uh, 8.5, because I will respect it. 8.5. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, you can you can respect things without, you know, liking them. I got plenty of films that are that way. With oh, you like- know what? Um Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, I was just focusing on this can art. Look at this guy. So we got, for those of you at home, it is two people in tuxedos. Well, they're not people. Sorry. They are skeletons and looks like they have thrown someone in a fire pit, which is probably 2020. Um, And they are sipping on champagne. So I'm assuming this is the new year. It looks like... It, it almost looks like if Iron Maiden hired out R.L. Stein, the Goosebumps <laughs> author, to like do a cover for the beer or like an Iron Maiden album or something. Only, only Reese could make that comparison and make it so beautiful. That's exactly that. Dude. That's exactly it. Well, that's a mouthful to say, but what's the mouthfeel say to you? Nice. One more time. I think I know what I'm going to say, though. Yeah, so this is, this is a very heavy mouthfeel. I mean, just like we saw, it, it's, it's super dank. It's super heavy. And this is super heavy on the mouth as well. Um, very bitey, obviously, from the dankness. And, and there's really not that much carb anymore on it. So I, I can't attribute that, that bitiness to the carb at all. I mean, that... I mean, it's impressive how dank that is. Uh, Yeah, let's... And again, again, I think people enjoy that. You know, people enjoy that type of beer. There's a lot of new beer out there where... Um, these new hops are coming out like Strata, Lotus hops. There's a, a lot of those hops are incredibly dank and craft beer enthusiasts love it. And obviously I love craft beer. You love craft beer, but you know that I really don't like when it's that much. So 8.2, although I'm sure if the craft beer enthusiasts down the street at Alma Mater had this, they might say 10.1. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you mention that because we actually do have a, a Lotus variation of Space Camper now, and that stuff is really? out of sight. Oh, yeah. It's it's fantastic. The best thing is like, it's like 4.5%, so it's like a sessionable what? IPA, but there's a ton of flavor in it. So, well, uh, well, well now I'm curious. What is what is your opinion on Lotus Hop? Like, do you think it's too dank, or are you, are you appreciate, you know, um, bite I, in it, per se? I, I don't think it's too dank for me personally. I think it's still very much in the realm of those fruity hops. I, I think dank to me are those really old school ones like Cascade and Centennial. You know, sure. all that stuff that you would find in those like... Like a oh, West geez. Coast, yeah. Yeah, the West Coast. What's that pale ale everyone used to drink? Uh, Cascade from Sierra Nevada, I think. Uh, I you don't know. remember. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just remember their IP. I haven't had a pale from... Sierra, honestly, Dude, we we need to we need to we need to bring back the concept of old school West Coast IPAs. If I can't see through my IPA, I can't see through the bottom line, man. Come on. <laughs> All right. Well, aftertaste. What does that thing taste like on the way back up? 
You know, it's a little smoother on the aftertaste, slightly smoother, but you still get that the actually you get more grapefruit there, which is nice. It's nicer on the aftertaste, actually. Um, it's a little bit sweeter, too. On the front of the tongue, you don't get all the sweet because you just get attacked. Like, you get straight up attacked by that galaxy hop. Like, yo, this is going to be bitter AF. But then as it goes down, it's like, okay, my my taste buds have been shocked, and now it's realized what I'm drinking, and now it's starting to enjoy the sweetness of the beer, and you're starting to get more of those. So I, I do enjoy that. And I understand this is a well-made beer, too. Again, people listening, this is really just my preference. I, I just enjoy sweet things. I honestly just love plain things. I don't, I don't like too much stuff going on. So I appreciate it again. 9.1. All right. Then last but not least, BDQ baked, dried and Quiznode. Hot, hot take Mondo's here. And you know what? I'm, I'm fired up today. Absolutely fired up. I can't believe what happened yesterday. And this beer is so fitting. The can art is great. These two skeletons remind me of Reese and I from last night in the fourth quarter, trying to figure out what's going on. And that person in the fireplace is just all of our negative thoughts just going into the fire. Cause we're trying to get through what's going on. But Oh boy, if you guys could see that, text chain my goodness so this is bringing a lot of nostalgia from yesterday in a bad way but also in a good way it's just it's just horrible but great but wonderful thank you f2020 abomination brewery 10 out of 10 bdq all right sounds like a pretty good beer and a pretty fitting way to kick off the very last remnants of 2020 2021 let's go chiefs let's go we're ready we're we're, we're ready already 2021 let's have some fun (laughs) oh pat just doesn't want to get sacked all right okay so yeah so like like we've said look the refs played an important factor but for those of you that are you know that are anti Fountain City Sports Media. You guys are just haters. Yeah. No, yeah. So cool. Okay, of course there were other things that happened in this game, and of course the biggest thing going into the game and now coming out of the game. Uh, everyone talked about. We talked about it on the podcast, and maybe we were looking half or glass glass half full, maybe as opposed to glass half empty. Uh, our offensive line, our, our, that was the number one question for us going in. And, and we thought because these guys have been switching around all year, we played well against them uh, with this kind of uh, makeshift offensive line. We played well when, when, when we played the Buccaneers. You know, Pat was still getting passes off. And literally, the unthinkable, the unthinkable happened. Patrick Mahomes did not score a touchdown. Patrick Mahomes looked like he was being rushed every single play. Looked like he was getting blitzed every single play. It was almost like there wasn't anybody on the offensive line. Pat had um, just under three. No, no, sorry. He had just over two seconds to throw the ball. Tom Brady had just under four seconds to throw the ball. Now, for those of you that don't listen or watch football, I'm going to count to four seconds right now. And I want you to imagine that we are on a football field. Omaha, goal to go, hike. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, okay? Tom Brady 
had a chance to have Gronk have two routes during that for Mississippi. That's a long time. Okay, now now here's Patrick Mahomes. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, sacked. Okay, that is barely enough time even for Tyreek Hill to do a streak and a slant or a, a curl. You know, it, oh my goodness. Like, I do not blame Patrick Mahomes for anything that happened in the Super Bowl. Patrick, you are the best. But Reese, what what in the world happened with our offensive line? Um, I mean, I know I was alluding this all throughout the season, saying the offensive line would eventually be our downfall. But again, as we said, we couldn't imagine in our wildest dreams the officiating would be that consistently poor throughout the game. I don't think in our wildest, worst nightmares, we thought the offensive line would be as useless as they were last night. I, I know Eric Fisher's gone. I know there was only one starter. I think technically uh, Wiley's a starter he was playing. But other than that, we had people... Yep. But but Wiley was also playing a different position, I think. People were out of position. People weren't playing their normal spot. You know, I don't know if it was a case of them not knowing what their assignments were on, you know, pickups. I mean, we saw it multiple times where I mean, there were linebackers just running straight through the line, like untouched. I'm like, guys, how, how do you not just link arms and try and form a wall or something like that at that point? Hold them. I don't care. Get called for offensive holding. The defense is getting their fair share of defensive holding calls. But as Armando alluded to, n- none of this can fall on Pat's shoulders. Uh, Pat had turf toe, which, I mean, he was notably gimping around even before the line just completely crumbled. And uh, he was running for his life. I think we've all seen the image now of when he's throwing a football literally parallel to the ground because he's doing everything in his power that he can. Unbelievable. But offensive line's got to hold the L on that one. Oh, man, I have I have a lot to say. And, and of course, I, I already prefaced it with the amount of time that both quarterbacks had. And just to put that in perspective again, Tom Brady, if we were playing in the regular season, that four seconds would have been the most in the 2020-2021 season that a quarterback had to throw. The amount of time that Patrick Mahomes had was the least amount of time in the 2020-2021 season for him to throw. Now, Patrick Mahomes can extend plays, and we saw that twice. Almost two unbelievable plays. He rushed for almost 500 yards scrambling. I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard that stat. That's unbelievable. He tried his best to extend the play, and even with those scrambling, 500 yards scrambling, he still averaged two seconds to throw the ball. Oh, my goodness. That is atrocious. That is unbelievably horrid so yes uh go ahead I mean, this, this might be the one game where i think lamar jackson may have done better than patrick mahomes just because you know with all respect oh, to yeah. pat you know lamar jackson's gonna run circles around a turf toed patrick mahomes you know so maybe having the, somebody he, who's just gonna improvise and scramble lamar jackson is 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 the best running back in the nfl so yeah absolutely different conversation for a different day <laughs> but i mean so so here's the thing I hate to put all the blame on the offensive line because I mean they're professional athletes it's not like they didn't try let's just go through what we lost this season uh we lost Eric Fisher late late in the AFC title game although I don't think one man would have made a difference on this line as a whole we lost uh Niang we lost Osemele earlier on in the season when he was showing a lot of promise over at the left guard yep, position he looked great he was balling out good freak injury tears both his knees we lost stalwart right tackle mitchell schwartz early on in the season and like eventually got confirmed that he's on ir i think we've seen mitchell schwartz probably play his last snap as an nfl player i think he's gone next year i mean this really this entire offensive line wait mitchell schwartz or eric fisher mitchell schwartz really 
No, this, this has been a nagging back injury that just really came to roost this year. And but those big guys, dude, lower back injuries just they just don't heal. It, it's it's like big men in basketball and foot injuries. It's like once it happens, it really only gets worse until it eventually, you know. You know, I I actually thought it was the opposite. I I think that we're going to see Mitchell Schwartz again, but we're not going to see Eric Fisher again because Eric Fisher's older. Now, uh, a caveat for both, I will tell you. I heard some deep deep rumors before uh before the Super Bowl that Mitchell Mitchell Schwartz was actually improving enough that he he was a blink of a chance to play in the Super Bowl. So with that kind of rumor going on, I think a chance for him to play in the 2021 season is is very viable. And also a counter to my Eric Fisher argument, having an Achilles injury as an offensive player is completely different, or sorry, an offensive line player is completely different than a linebacker because a linebacker and defensive lineman, uh, actually um, Derek Johnson actually went on radio and talked about, explained this because he had the same injury as Eric Fisher and talked about how it's so much harder for a defensive lineman to, um, to kind of get the weight off of their Achilles and kind of use that to, to use that to their advantage and to accelerate where an offensive lineman doesn't have to accelerate, right? It's still hard for them to recover from an injury like that, but the amount of pressure that they have to put on that as opposed to other positions in the NFL is much less. So the chances of him actually coming back are better, but is he ever going to be hundred percent? No. Is Mitchell Schwartz ever going to be hundred percent? Probably not. Well, here's where the, here's where the two prongs tie together. I know I promised this earlier on. So, if the first prong was the referees breaking the game in the first half, the second half, the other prong was our offensive line was so bad that Patrick Mahomes couldn't get us back into this game. Now, honestly, any other game, let's say we have half, two-thirds of our normal offensive line starting, and we go into the second half, and we're down 21-6, to eventually 21-9. to Is that game over? Not by a long shot. But the fact of the matter is, with turf-toed Pat, with officials who are going to let the Bucks do whatever they wanted to our receiving core all night, and then giving Pat, like you said, two seconds and change maybe before he's going to get lit up. I mean, it's a recipe for disaster. No team was going to be able to overcome that. I'm going to be a little hot takey right now. I think we should be blaming, and I really don't like to blame this person because they've done a fantastic job, but you have to put some blame on Brett Veach. We've known since the beginning of the season, we weren't going to have Lucas Niang. We weren't going to have Tardif. Mitchell Schwartz was not going to be 100%. Eric Fisher eh, is getting a little older. Um, And then we had, you know, this assembly of a good offensive line rotation, but not good offensive line starters. Okay. Allegretti, Kilgore, Remmers, uh, Visnusi came in later. But those three guys are good rotational players. But we knew at the beginning of the season that these guys were going to have to start. And we did not make an effort after the Osemele injury of any free agents coming in, any trades happening for the offensive line because we thought Patrick Mahomes was going to be able to, to work with this. I'm sorry, but but that is shameful for Patrick Mahomes. We saw him get lit up during that game and we thought that we can just put a little bandaid on our biggest wound instead of putting Neosporin or going to the doctor and trying to treat the wound. I'm sorry, but I have to put some blame on Brett Feach. I am, I am upset that this is something that we've talked about since week one. And what have we done? We put in Remmers, we put in Visnuski 
and we put in Kilgore. I'm going to agree with you on the sake that this is going to be the eye-opener, I hope, where they realize they have to protect their half-billion-dollar investment because they got 10 more years and half-billion dollars invested in Patrick Mahomes, and you want that to last. Uh, but I am going to disagree with you for the first time in this episode in regards to saying that Brett Veach didn't do anything. You got to remember that this was the COVID season where things were really, really weird. And in the offseason, he brought in Osemele and he drafted Nyang, who is supposed to be a stud with potential to start right away. And what happened in the offseason was he lost Laurent Duvernay-Tardif because he opted out, bless his heart, to go fight COVID. Because he's a doctor, those of you who don't know. Shout out to him. Um, and then we lost Assembly. And then Niang, the rookie, opted out, which was still pretty surprising to me. Yeah, no, it was pretty And then surprising. early on in the season, we lost Assembly. So essentially, two of the three pieces we brought in in the offseason to shore up this offensive line went down. And then no one could have seen Schwartz like going down for the rest of the year the way he did. Nobody saw Eric Fisher going down late the way he did. And you know, unfortunately, this season in particular, there just there just weren't any you know offensive linemen to pick up off the you know pick up off practice squads. You know, uh, they weren't just a dime a dozen. I know I know some year you can get some deal guys, but it, there was no Terrell Suggs offensive line equivalent waiting on waivers at the end of the year for us to pick up. No, I mean, okay, okay, fair. Like you, you're definitely right that there, there wasn't this, you know, clear answer. But I just felt like after the Osemele injury, I agree with you that in the preseason, Brett Veach tried to address the offensive line, but it was almost like every week when they met, you know, Andy and Brett met, or or Andy and Pat met. Pat, you know, we we are Chiefs strong. We're going to win the Super Bowl with or without a good offensive line. Like, no, we got this. We're going to be able to prepare for this. Why wasn't there anyone in the organization that said, hey, you know, even Fountain City Sports Media is talking every week about our offensive line. That's right. You know, why, why aren't we doing anything week to week to try to, you know, find someone or, or maybe make a trade for a second round pick? And I know that that's a big deal because we're getting some of these guys back, but this is what happens. This is what happens when when you say we're going to go with our rotational players against a really, really good, if not Reese's favorite word, elite defensive line in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I'm going to meet you halfway here. So I said last time on the Supercast that I thought the Buccaneers had a lot of great playmakers, but they weren't a really cohesive unit. I think that actually wound up being worse for us and if we did play like a cohesive unit defense the way the 49ers were last year but which i'm saying there have been many games this year as we've alluded to the the first chargers game uh sort of the ravens game the falcons game a lot of games like that where the offensive line has been just about a sieve but at the last second patrick mahomes makes something happen you know pat forces some plays pat does some magic well, in this case, we took our very last straw. We took our very last brick out of the Jenga tower. Patrick Mahomes was injured, and it was the first time all season Pat was he he wasn't given the opportunity to make anything happen. It was it was playground football. That's a great every way to put play, it. and I really feel bad for him. Yeah, I mean, okay, hat hats off to that defensive line, and, and mostly hats off to Todd Bowles because they didn't blitz. Reese, what is the one thing that we talked about the entire year on this podcast? How do you beat Patrick Mahomes? What is what was number one? You send four and you drop everybody else into coverage. There it is. That is how you beat Patrick Mahomes. Todd Bowles was listening to Fountain City Sports Media every week because that is what he did. 
He sent four, and that's all he needed. He blitzed nine percent of the time, um, and which is which is the least amount that Todd Bowles has ever blitzed this year, which I was looking at, which is insane. It's insane. The only blitz nine times um, because he was playing cover two, cover four, which which Tyreek Hill had alluded to in the post game and said he didn't think that they were going to play zone very often, but they were able to play zone because they can rush four. So I said, okay, we're rushing four. Great. Now we can double Tyreek. Great. Now we can kind of bully um, Travis Kelsey. I mean, oh man, I, I hate talking about it, but but that's what happened. Hats off to him. And 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 when they did blitz, it was super sneaky. I mean, there were people coming out. I'm like. I'm like, where the hell did that guy come from? I mean, it was it was insane. They even sent a streaker after Pat at one point in the fourth quarter. Remember, they <laughs> pulled their twelfth man. You, do you do you want to hear some uh, some uh, Jeffrey Epstein's conspiracy on this podcast? I know you love it. Give me some tinfoil stuff. So 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 I had alluded to this in the text message. Apparently, the like over under for a streaker in the Super Bowl was outrageous. It was I don't know like like uh, plus ten thousand. Which for those of you that don't you know, bet online or whatever, putting $2 on a, on a plus 10,000 bet is going to win you an equivalent of $17,000, right? So just $2. So apparently there's this conspiracy going around that a group of people uh, staged this. So those people can win their bet of a streaker being in the Super Bowl because that was one of the like huge prop bets in the Super Bowl. So there's apparently and like a huge investigation happening right now to 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 uh, see if like people rig that to happen. Yeah, unfortunately, the streakers cut's probably going to go to play uh, paying bail to get him out of jail for streaking <laughs> at the Super Bowl. <laughs> Jabroni, what a moron! Anyway, I thought, I, I, I thought that was funny that this is like becoming a huge like streaker gate deal. I love it. We got, we got streaker gate. We got way too many gates to count. We have know, there's, the there's open gate here. so just like good friends do right whenever you're going through a breakup or something you know you have to talk about it right you have to talk about what happened but then your friends always pick you up and say there is always light at the end of the tunnel this too shall pass hot take mondo and kansas city chiefs fans this is why we are a podcast because we are a family podcast we are friends podcast and we're going to pick each other back up we've talked about the reasons why we didn't play well and why we we lost this game, but we're now going to talk about good things and things that should make you hopeful for the 2021-2022 season because you know who Vegas chose as number one for next year? That's right. The Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl favorites for next year, and they're going to be the Super Bowl favorites, barring any Patrick Mahomes injury. I don't care how long Tom Brady plays. I don't care if he wins 10 Super Bowls. Even after his 10th Super Bowl, if he gets some like regenerative cell injection, Patrick Mahomes will always be the Super Bowl favorite, and Kansas City fans, you can look forward to that for the next decade. I think it's because out there in Vegas, they know this Super Bowl was an absolute outlier in regards to what could have happened because could you have expected historically bad officiating the Chiefs entire offensive line to not be playing for Patrick Mahomes to have turf toe just just all the myriad of issues that seemed to swarm around us before Super Bowl week that was beyond best case scenario for the Buccaneers because you cannot tell me that the seven and nine Washington football team with Tyler Heineke at quarterback was going to give the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a better game than the defending Super Bowl champion 
Kansas City Chiefs were. Talk so, about a big what if there. <laughs> so, so I'm just getting that out of the way. I'm just getting that out of the way. All that to say is they know what's going to happen this offseason. They know the Chiefs line will come back and they're going to draft pieces to plug that lineup because they saw a game with zero offensive line. They saw a team that had decimations at running back throughout the season. They know they're going to get healthy next year. They know next year the referees are not going to throw a record 8 for 85 penalties in the first half. It, it's a good-looking future. And I know I just touched down on this, but I want to get your opinion. What did you think of Clyde Edwards-Alaire this game? Great. Amazing. Nine carries for 64 yards. And Andy Reid even said, I am sorry that I did not help Pat even more in the running game and, and trying to establish because basically in that second half, Andy Reid abandoned the running game. I mean, we, we definitely saw a few good runs from CH in that first drive in the third quarter. After that, completely abandoned. Even in that first half, we didn't see a lot. So we saw a small sample size of CEH, and that sample size was amazing against that front four that we have declared elite. He had a long, he had that beautiful 26-yard run as well. Um, CEH in pressure, right, in the biggest game, came up and he looked big he was he was doing things that he didn't do during the regular season right he was going left and right that dude went up and down up and down right in the middle loved it ceh welcome to the chiefs we saw a lot from ceh today that was kind of the culmination of the highlights of ceh we had seen throughout the season when he was healthy and when the line was more healthy I'm alluding to week one when he torched the Texans. I'm alluding to when he did pretty well against the Baltimore Ravens a few weeks later. And of course, when he lit up the Buffalo Bills first game of the year. Take that, Buffalo Mike. (laughs) He wasn't just, you know, playing well and finding gaps. He was making men miss. He was hitting hard spin moves. He was getting yards after contact with those straight up tree trunks he has for legs. I mean, I'm pretty optimistic. Throughout this playoffs, I'm like, man, the guy can't stay healthy. Did we really need a first-round pick? Is he going to be sort of a bust? Are we going to keep him after his rookie year? But I can say with certainty now that if we shore up that offensive line, Pat gets time, Clyde gets a line to run behind, I think we get to see more of what we expected to see from CEH later on. I mean, I definitely want a big running back after watching Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones just like be monsters. And I know I've talked about that a lot. Hashtag fire all the short people, even though I'm the shortest person on this podcast. Uh, yeah. I mean, big look, big guys win the league. But anyway, that that's a tangent. Um, yes. All the people that I'm excited about. Here we go. Even though Patrick Mahomes only had two seconds to throw the ball. He passed for 270 yards, almost 300 yards passing in this game. Would would you believe that if after all the things that we just told you, would you believe that he threw for 270 yards? Travis Kelsey had 133 yards receiving. Tyreek Hill du- double covered almost the entire game, 73 yards as well. So look. We we had essentially no offensive line, and we still had all that. Kansas City, you have so much to be excited for next year. Patrick Mahomes has no signs of regression. He's going to have surgery on his toe. He's going to be 100% for, for the year. Travis Kelsey, zero signs of regression. I mean, they were, they were straight up punching him. He had 133 yards. Tyreek Hill, no signs of regression. CEH, just like we alluded to. And then we'll see what happens with wide receiver two, wide receiver three. That's a subject we'll probably talk about later on. It could be Sammy Watkins. It could be Hardman. It could be 
it could be Allen Robinson, which we'll talk about later, you know, in another podcast. But but prospects look hopeful for even our wide receiver, too. I mean, so much great stuff happening on on the offense. Literally none of it was Patrick's fault. I'm going to end my last thing by saying 2012, the organization bottomed out to historic degrees. A year later, Andy Reid brings him to a winning record. This year, I suppose if this is a bottom out, getting beat pretty bad in an extremely circumstantial Super Bowl, just think what Andy Reid's going to do for the next few years. The team, like you said, isn't going anywhere. And look, this is one of the best locker rooms in the NFL. Yes, I know the whole HB Tom Brady stuff that happened. It's over with. In fact, HB had deleted the the tweet, even though it's true that Tom Brady was talking crap about him. HB knew that that is not the reason why they lost the game. That is such a strong locker room that they that they took the L. They said, you know what? The Bucks played better. They showed up tonight. But Patrick Mahomes says, you know what? I never want to feel like this again. And you have Patrick Mahomes as your leader. You have the Honey Badger as your leader. You have Andy Reid as your leader. We have our entire coaching staff coming back. I, I know for those of you that may not watch football, that is an incredibly big deal. So it's going to be great. We have a ton of young guys that are incredible. Legereus Sneed, Tershawn Wharton. Who knows what he's going to look like next year? I mean, just so many great guys. I, I'm very excited for next year. I am not nervous. It's okay, Kansas City. I think the worst is behind us. We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM. There you'll find premium content, including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Find us on Instagram at FountainCitySM to get updates on the podcast, sports, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media.